This morning's scripture reading comes from Deuteronomy 8, um, verses 7 through 18, found on page 153 in your pew Bible. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of the, whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you, to do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get the wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. The word of God for the people of God. So in the past several decades, um, even adjusted for inflation, um, Americans' um, average income has gone up significantly. The average size of American house um, is nearly double what it was in 1975. And the average family is smaller than it was in 1975. We've, we've in, increased the size of a home and decreased the number of people um, on average who are in that home. There are statistics about the number of things the average American has in clothing and just stuff, and I didn't bother to look them up. I could just say how many ha- of us, the problem is not needing stuff, the problem is needing a place to put our stuff and having too much stuff and needing to get rid of stuff. Most people's problems is more stuff than is needed, so much so that rather than, even in our bigger houses that are getting filled with stuff and not people, we are, um, rather than getting rid of the stuff, we're buying portable or personal storage units. Those, those spaces that you get to put your stuff when your house can't hold all this stuff. And that is, a, in 2020, a $38 billion industry of just holding stuff that doesn't fit in people's homes. I say all that to say we are a blessed people. We are a people that God has just poured out resources 
and given so many things. Uh, Will Rogers, decades ago, famously quipped that Americans will be the first people who go to the poorhouse in an automobile. You know, that, that just, uh, we have so much, and yet that's, that excess of stuff obviously does not lead us to gratitude and to joy. Um, statistics on happiness, uh, the latest one I saw was a record low number of people feeling joy. The level of anxiety is increased. The level of stress in America is increased. The, the level of divisiveness and division is increased. And it's all a sign that we're not a grateful people. We, we give lip service to gratitude, but any sense of gratitude to the God who has blessed us, um, again, statistically has shown that fewer people are in worship, fewer people acknowledge God, fewer people recognize Him. And, and so any sense of true gratitude to the one who has blessed us is not there, which I would say goes along with unhappiness and anxiety and stress. We are fulfilling what Moses had warned the Israelites of as they were entering the promised land. God had brought them up, and the book of Deuteronomy is Moses recounting what God has done for them, reviewing God's um, rescue and, and travel with them, and preparing them as they enter to this beautiful land that is flowing with milk and honey, this, this bountiful resources that he's going to give to them. And he says, here's the warning to, to obey the law. Beware. Keep watch. Make sure you remember God. Remember the God of what he's done for you. Remember God and who he is. And remember him and, and respond in obedience. Remember him because... Um, you're going to come into this land, and you're going to receive all these blessings God has given to you. But then you, all these blessings, rather than gratitude, the, the temptation is they're going to turn us into prideful people. That's what he means by lifting up your hearts. It's not lifting up in praise and gratitude. It's being lifted up and in, in to say, look what my hand has done. Look what I've accomplished. To look at all the blessings God has given and says, look what I have done and to think that you are the one who has done this rather than God himself. And this is the warning. So let me, um, let me look at a few of the, the things that Moses is warning about because he's pointing us to have gratitude rather than a prideful heart that takes credit for what God has given. Um, we're very much like the gardener, the proverbial gardener that a minister walks beside and looks at the beautiful, weedless, bountiful garden and says, oh, you and the Lord have done such a beautiful job with this plot of land. And the gardener looks and says, true, but you should have seen it when he had it to himself, right? I mean, that, the way, that his work is, well, um, we think that we're the ones who've accomplished, even when it's God who has given to us, God who has blessed us, God who has given us the power to do the work and put us in places to do things. In other words, we say, look what I've done, and we take responsibility for God's blessings. Now, part of that is giving credit where credit is due, right? God deserves the credit for the blessings he's given us. God deserves the gratitude for the things. But, but part of that also, think about it. If I say, look what I have done, 
I've also suddenly assumed responsibility for the things that God has given. How often when people get things and stuff and to a position, rather than gratitude, do their hearts become about preserving and guarding and securing what they have and worrying about losing what they have? In other words, we, we quickly become to where I'm responsible rather than God, and that can lead to nervousness, anxiety, and stress as you're thinking, rather than, look what God's given me, look what I've done, I better keep it up, I've got to, have to maintain this, I have to do more. And, and it becomes a heart that is focused on self and very much on idols. This is part of the warning that um, finishes this chapter, is that you're going to say, I've done this, you're going to forget the Lord, and then you're going to turn to idols and pursue them and start worshiping false gods. Now, part of what God is warning there is because he deserves our praise and worship, but here's, it's also for our good. The problem with the false god is they can't do what they promise they can do. A false god cannot give what God gives. A false god is impotent. And so the, the problem is if we begin to pursue these false gods to provide what only God can have, that means they're not going to give us those things. We're, we're going to have less security. We're going to have less happiness. We're going to have less joy than if we're truly pursuing the God who is, the true God who can bless us and give us these things. And so he's warning us against taking responsibility and say, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to take the burden on myself, and I'm going to look at other gods and, and other ways of providing for myself rather than maintaining that gratitude that says, God has done this, and he will keep doing this, and he will do more, that I'm, I'm going to have this attitude where my relationship is not, I've done it, I'm looking at myself, my relationship with God is, he's blessed me, and he's going to continue to bless me, and I can trust him to see me through each day. So we, we remember that he is the one with the credit. He is also the one with the responsibility. That's the first warning. The second part of this warning is that the, the way gratitude affects our whole outlook on life. People who are grateful, people who are thankful, are obviously happier and more filled with joy than those who are not. Like if, if you're looking and saying, I've done this, I deserve the credit, you start to get an attitude of, and I probably deserve more. I probably need a little bit more. You know, I've, I've worked really hard, and I need. And so rather than an attitude, sense of gratitude, we begin to have a sense of worry and anxiety. Think of the difference if you were to wake up and say, let me think of five things I'm grateful for, whatever they are. They can... They can Be your pets, you could be, you know, a um, good football game, could be your hobbies, could be good food, whatever, you know, that you're grateful for, you give thanks. And, and you suddenly, that's going to put you in a more positive attitude. You're going to have a positive outlook. You're going to be grateful and, and think about the things that have come to you and the blessings you have. You're going to have more contentment and you're going to have more joy versus what I tend to do is I think about the five things that I'm worried that might happen. Right? I'm going to get myself worked up with anxiety about things that they haven't happened yet, but they possibly could happen, and I can start worrying, or I start worrying about things that have no impact on me, about somebody in the news for saying something or something like that. It, those begin to build worry and anxiety, and, and they're not going to lead to happiness and joy. That, 
And those are the things you're bombarded with constantly. Those are the things that are naturally going to be the messages to you are not things that lead to gratitude. They're going to be things that lead to worry and concern. It's just a thing with advertisements. If ads try to make you content and grateful, you're not going to buy anything new. If you're content with what you have and you're really grateful, you're going to buy a lot less than if you're worried and nervous and anxious. And and the more you can be kept in a state, I mean, you're you're not going to look at a news story if it tells you about a nice thing um, someone did. But this horrible thing, somebody, that's going to get all the attention. This disaster, this, the, the, anything that's going to make you concerned and worry is going to draw more attention. And so that's naturally going to be the state we're in unless we remember the Lord, unless we are intentional about thinking about his blessings, intentional about thinking about all the good things we have in him. We need a sense of gratitude, not only because God deserves it, but it's going to lead to our joy and to our happiness and to our contentment. And then we also are warned about forgetting God, a lack of gratitude for what God has done for us, leaving us to disobedience. We're told to remember Him and to obey His commandments and rules. Do not forget the Lord by not keeping His commandments. To forget the Lord is to no longer obey Him, no longer follow His ways, no longer keeping His commandments. This is something we're called to do because true gratitude isn't just, oh, I feel thankful, I'm going to do whatever. True gratitude is I'm going to be, I'm thankful, and that, that thankfulness is going to overflow into, I want to please the one who's blessed me. That, that, that thankfulness is going to lead to compassion for others. If I'm thinking about how what I have is not deserved and he's, he's blessed me with these things, I'm going to be more generous with those who have needs. I'm going to be more willing to do things for neighbors who have needs. I'm going to have more compassion. If my attitude is, look what my hand has done, I'm going to look at my neighbor and say, well, they're being kind of lazy. They need to get their act together and do something. But if I look and say, God has blessed me, and I'm grateful, that's going to work out in ways of obedience and keeping his law and showing gratitude in responding with doing what he has told us to do. Again, for our good as well as his glory. Just want to point out here, if you're tempted to look at the Old Testament as the book of laws and rules, and a mean God who, um, after the New Testament, becomes a nicer God after he becomes Christian, and really nice and gentle, notice the gospel is so clear here. Notice the gospel pattern. Moses doesn't say, obey God, remember him, and then he will bless you with this good land. Now, what does he say? I've, I've taken you out of Egypt. I've freed you from slavery. I've, I've forgiven you. I've, I've blessed you with all these things. I've provided for you. I'm giving you this land with all these things. In response to these blessings, obey. It's not obedience in order to receive the blessing. It's obedience in response to the blessing. And so here is what we're grateful for. They're grateful for um, the wheat and the barley, the vines and the fig tree, all these things that God has given them in this land. We are to show gratitude for the goodness that God gives us in his creation and just the common grace that all people have. God gives us so many blessings. It's a beautiful day today. And we just see the, the, the beauty of creation. And guess what? 
people who have no love for God, who don't even believe in his existence, wake up today and experience the same beauty of creation. He gives to all people. He gives bounty to all people. That We, we enjoy the gifts of life and the, the, the gifts he's given to us. And so we can give God thanks for these things. And here's one of the things is, is that God loves us so much that he also gives us things that are just for our pleasure, just for our good, just out of the joy. John Calvin, in his Institutes, has a section where he talks about um, God shows his love for us in the beauty of a flower or the taste of food. He said he could have made a world that just was kind of industrial and it operated and it worked. Flowers could operate without the beautiful colors, but he knows you delight in them and you enjoy them. And so just the part of what he does is to give you a beautiful creation that you can enjoy. And, and in a few minutes when we sit down and enjoy some really good tasting food, you remember John Calvin said, God could have made a world that we have food and just exist on that food, and it works and it provides nourishment, but it doesn't just provide nourishment. It, it gives us pleasure. It tastes good. That's because God loves you and just wants to give things for you to enjoy and have pleasure. That means when we, we, we thank God for family and church and all the good things like that, we can also thank God for things that just give us pleasure, like a good football game, an opportunity to go fishing, really good rock and roll albums, just these things that God gives us that, that aren't anything other than the joy and pleasure of life. So we enjoy God's creation, his common grace to us. We give God thanks for um, his special providence for those he loves. That he reminds them, God brought you through the, the wilderness. He brings you through this land that had scorpions and serpents. He brings you and he gives you food and he gives you water. God leads your life all for your goodness. That we should look back on the, the, the path our life has taken and give God thanks for the things that he's blessed us with, that made us who we are, the way he's worked in your life to bring you to an understanding of him, to bring you to a community of friends, to work in your life to make you who you are. And here is one of the more difficult things, as he tells us, that part of this, the difficulties that he takes them through, this harsh land, was to humble them and to test them. In other words, even the difficult things we face, even the, the, the trials that we go through, God brings us to out of his goodness to make us who we are and to make us rely on him. So even our difficulties, we can thank God. Not a word we, we would take as we're going through a moment of suffering, but as we look back on our lives to look, God has brought us through the difficulties. And even the difficulties, even those are things so that we can thank because they were for our good. And finally, we thank him for our redemption. That we're blessed with all these gifts. And he, he guides our life through the paths that he does. But he also does so with... Um, doing so to a people he has redeemed. Remember the Lord your God. Remember the one who brought you out of Egypt, who redeemed you from this house of bondage. That's what they're to remember is they're here because he's freed them. He has redeemed them. And how much more then now that we are on the side of the cross, that we know that we have redeemed from more than the nation of, Israel, um, of Egypt, 
that we've been freed not just from this house of bondage, we have been freed from sin and death. Through the cross, we have experienced a greater redemption. And so he tells us, remember, because that remembrance leads to gratitude and all the blessings we've talked about. Remember, remember. So it's no mistake that even as Moses calls them to remember God's redemption and blessings, that on the night our Savior was betrayed, he comes to the table He says, remember, remember, remember. Remember the one who's given you all the gifts of life. Remember his work in your life. And remember your redemption that he has won for you on the cross as you come to this table and you see the body and the blood and you remember him who has redeemed you. Now unto him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine be honor and glory and power forever. Amen.